Hey, party people. This is episode number 32 of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I'm Chad Noonan, very excited for this episode as I am for every episode. Two amazing interviews and two hilarious comics who are on the new wave of stand-up season four, which launches today as I'm recording this, August 28th on CBC Gym. I'll jump into that in just a moment, tell you who the guests are, but first, I want to remind you to go to CanadianComedyHall.com, sign up to become a lifetime member of the Hall of Fame, and vote. Vote for those who are nominated this year. People like Jim Carrey, Mary Walsh, Billy Van, Martin Short, Al Waxman, Alvia Kirk, Steve Smith, the cast of SCTV, so many great nominees that need your help to get into the Hall of Fame. They already have the resumes. We know they've been doing comedy for years. They've been making us laugh for years, but now they need your help in getting into the Hall of Fame. And the only way to do that is by going to CanadianComedyHall.com. I also want to let you know, uh, Jaybird Digital Arts, jaybirddigitalarts.com. They do all our graphics here for everything for the Hall of Fame, including that little icon you see on Spotify or iTunes or iHeartRadio where you click on to listen to this podcast. That's all Jason Reese with jaybirddigitalarts.com. He does comedy posters. He does wrestling posters. He does amazing, amazing graphics work. Check him out, jaybirddigitalarts.com. Okay, let's get to today's interview. In just a bit, you'll hear from Daniel Woodrow. But first, I want to get to my very fun, amazing, so never laugh so hard in an interview as I did with this very one with Ben Sosa Wright. Uh, ben Sosa Wright is a stand-up comedian. He's a writer. He's an improviser from Toronto. He was part of JFL New Faces Canada in 2022. He was named one of CBC, CBC's 15 Canadian comics to watch in 2019. He's performed in clubs all over the countries and festivals like JFL 42, Toronto's Big City Improv Festival, Bruce McCullough's Young Stars Showcase, and the Museum of Comedy in London. Most recently, his podcast, Nostalgique, was recently mentioned by Vulture as their comedy podcast of the week. We talk about Nostalgique. We talk about early 2000s, 90s pop culture. And of course, we talk comedy. So much fun. Once again, I hope you enjoy this interview with my new good friend, maybe best friend, Ben Sosa Wright on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. We'll, we'll get into New Wave, but first I want to start with uh, a video that lives rent-free in my head, and I've heard you mention it. Um, and I kind of want to, in a weird way, tie this back to being committed to a bit in stand-up. But that is um, Tyra Banks foaming at the mouth. Um, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. the rabies? Iconic. Yes. An iconic piece of culture, that video is. She did. I don't know how this video, sorry, is not more popular. I agree. People, because she did so many crazy things on the Tyra Banks show that I think people like forget or people think, oh, she was like trying to be funny. But no, she was trying to prove a point. Like she was mm -hmm. trying to get across to the audience that like rabies is a serious issue. <laughs> <laughs> and she was really barking at them. And if you watch the clip, people in the audience were scared. Like people, people were spoiling. The nervous laughter in the audience, the the like you know, from from five or six people in a room of probably a hundred was so <laughs> hard to listen to, but amazing to watch. Like, oh my god, I I love that. But sure. it was crazy also how committed she was to something like that, which anytime you know, somebody even doing stand-up who just commits to a bit like that, I'm always amazed by. I'm always telling comedians they need to be more like Tyra Banks. And that's, that's great advice. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, we, we actually have a lot in common in the sense that I was um, a big Nickelodeon kid growing up. I friggin loved Nickelodeon. Um, the show All That was like amazing to me. And I, I remember you, or I, I read doing my research for this about um, you mentioning Amanda Bynes and, and her show. And just talk about Amanda Bynes and how much of a comedy influence she was for you. Oh, my God. I love how <laughs> I've done a couple of interviews where I talk about Amanda Bynes. <laughs> People are, I mean, she really is a big part of my life. I mean, 
again, I think in terms of commitment, you look at her early work and like, she is going for the joke. Like she is, she's doing voices. She is doing, I mean, her work on the Amanda show was incredible sketch comedy work. But then I think like, as she progressed in her career and she started doing like more romantic comedies, she was the Lucille Ball of our generation. Like she was doing, she was bringing heart to the performance, but she's giving broad physical comedy. I mean, you watch She's the Man and like, that is, she's doing clown. She's doing clown. She's doing yeah. clown. What's that clown? What's that clown thing where like people wear the masks? It's like- uh, the- my- no, not mime. Um, not mime. It's like there's the pointy mask and everyone's like... I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah it's very like vaudeville kind very of... Va- she's doing that. She's right, doing... yeah. Yeah. It's uh, uh, The show All That was like amazing to me. I had never... Obviously, I was young, so I never had seen like Saturday Night Live or Kids in the Hall, like other sketch shows, but like those Nickelodeon sketch shows were like kind of my first introduction into comedy um they really, i'm sure yours of uh, the amanda show they used to do like a parody sketch and it was like a recurring sketch that was like a dawson's creek spinoff and i remember them really and even as a kid i had discerning taste because i remember like they were using like tropes from like a teen drama that were like you know um like uh, the parent is away or like no one knows where the mom is, but like they would be cutting to the mom and she'd be in like a hot air balloon. And they're like, oh, mom is somewhere floating over the Atlantic Ocean. Like we don't know where she is. And I'm like, this is so funny because teen shows are all about trauma and drama. And like, this is a sketch that's like, oh, whatever, let's have fun with it. And I think dad lost his pinky toe because an anchor fell on it. (laughs) <laughs> that's so i don't think insane. i know i'm acting like i don't know but I yeah, yeah you know <laughs> that's what happened <laughs> um here's kind of okay i'm kind of draw the parallel to your career and amanda bind so amanda bind started on the show all that when she was 10 years old which is like crazy in my mind to be doing sketch and performing in front of live audiences at that show um at that time um and then you started going to the comedy bar at 17 which again is crazy young i think to go into a a comedy club and start like you know uh working on your chops or whatever you want to say at at that age hanging out in the green room what was like being a 17 year old doing stand-up in toronto Uh Yeah, it was crazy. But then I was mainly doing improv, which I think was a bit like safer for a teen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I was like 16, 17. And like, I don't it was crazy because and I say this all the time, like I didn't realize like how cool it was. Like there was a whole summer where like me and my teen improv troupe were like opening for at the time the bad dog repertory players like every Friday night at comedy bar and like I would just go there after school and like we would like jam out with like the older improvisers and like get ready for our show and looking back I'm like oh that was a really cool like foundational experience but I think back then I took it for granted I was like oh whatever (laughs) I was a really I was obsessed with like drugs in high school so I think I was more focused on like let's party after this (laughs) yeah yeah that's the fun part about getting into comedy is the partying after when did stand up yeah. yeah, when did stand up come along then? Um, start an improv and then stand up kind of really and it's taken off from you. So when did that start? Yeah, that started a little bit at like when I was 20, like maybe 1920, and I had moved to Montreal for university. And um I was looking for improv outlets, but like I started taking this, I went to like this improv club at university and at Concordia, and I like hated it. It was so bad. Um, no disrespect to anyone in that club now I'm sure you're doing great work but I remember being so discouraged and thinking like oh like I'm not gonna have like a comedy outlet while I'm in university this sucks but then my friend James Brown who's actually ginger can you believe um, he was starting this comedy like this pop-up comedy show out of his apartment um, that would end up turning into like one of Montreal's like biggest, coolest, like alternative mm-hmm. comedy shows, not running anymore, but back in the day, it was like, it's called Squad Laughs. And he was like, you're really funny in class. Like you should come do my show in my little apartment. Like there's going to be a party after like, and I was really nervous, but then 
I found out I liked it a lot and it was really fun. And I loved the idea of like, cause I'm a writer as well. And I love the idea of like sitting down and writing something. And then the, the, that very night finding out whether or not it was funny. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Like really seeing right away what worked and what didn't. And then the moment my set ended, I was like, I had a million things I wanted to do differently. I had a million other ideas and I was like, Oh, well, I, I guess I have to do this again. Cause I'm, I'm into this. Do you still get that when a set ends where you're like, oh, I need to do, I should have done this different. I'm going to try this next time. Does that still roll through your head? Or are you, um, you know, when you're, when you do say you're like, I know this works at this point, like you have a, you know, like once you try jokes so many times, you're like, I know this works. I know what I'm doing, you know? Totally. I think like, I think especially after doing this for a while, like I definitely have like, jokes where I'm like oh like they'll eat this up or like I know like if I'm in a tight spot I'm like okay I'll give them one of the one of the good ones and then they'll get back on my side um but these days like if I walk away from a set wishing it had gone differently it usually has to do with spontaneity or like being present in the moment like if I Mm -hmm. leave a set and I'm like oh I wasn't like I wasn't improvising as much as I like to or I wasn't riffing as much as I like to or I wasn't I don't know like being silly enough like if I feel if I walk away from a set and I feel like it was work then I feel like oh next time you need to have more fun because I think I don't know I I hate doing a set and like almost like plugging in the numbers and like you know showing up like clocking in for work and being like I did jokes one through ten and they liked it it's like I always like to leave room for for playing around and like discovery yeah It can feel like that a little bit. I just actually thought of something. Were you part? So I know you did New Faces. I saw your New Faces um, in Montreal last year. I was in the audience. But I think was your night the night of the fire in the theater? Was that you? Was that your show? Yes. We were the night of, I think, Montreal's most famous greatest fire. I think (laughs) history is Montreal's most important fire. Um, Yes, I was there the night of the fire. I actually, that night I posted an Instagram story like of all the fire trucks and the smoke billowing out of the theater. And I made a caption with something to the effect of like, oops, left my hair straightener on. And to this day, like people ask me like if I started the fire. because The famous fire. That was crazy. I was sitting in the balcony um, of that theater. I forget the name of it. Beautiful theater. And then so we got like exited out the fire exits like pretty quickly because there was a real fire and we get to the bottom of like the fire exit and the doors locked from the outside so we can't get out. And so now people are starting to panic a little bit. Now we have to walk back through the theater theater by the fire. It was crazy. It was wild. I don't know if just, I'm just for last might get me to edit that out that the fire exit was locked. Well, I'm sure that's not just for last fall. That seems like an issue. Yeah. It's a theater Um, issue, but um, yeah, it was was crazy. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Thank (laughs) you. That's, I had no idea that happened. Yeah. it, It was wild. I was with like a bunch of friends and, but let's talk about the positive that turned around in that show is Pete Holmes said, yeah. come, I had a show coming on and I've heard, I've talked to other people that were on your show. Um, Mike from uh, Winnipeg. Right. I forget. His name. <laughs> yeah. And he said it was awesome. Cause like Pete's at the side of the stage, Squire brothers are at the side of the stage. Um, Skylar brothers giving um, tags and like stuff. He said like that kind of made the atmosphere. Yeah. Totally. It was really, and especially like <laughs> to have your spirits broken, like, and then mm. we're all like so sad. We're thinking like our, our show. You're not going to have a show. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then to have like, then be like Pete Holmes is like down the street. Like we're running to club soda to do his show. And we're all like, we truly were all running. Like we had a JFL rank. Like, come, come. like the show starts in five minutes. And Pete was so, so nice. And like, chill and I mean I think for a lot of us in that group like he had been one of our first like stand-up like heroes or just like I don't know like uh pseudo mentors in a way because of his podcast I mean through his podcast I discovered so many comedians that to this Mm -hmm. day like I love like Kate Berlant, John Early, Julio Torres like and it was so, it felt like a full circle moment because before I had started doing stand-up, I would listen to his podcast and think about it. And then like, here I was kind of like meeting this tall man and he was so Very nice. tall. He's and so nice. He had, yeah. And he had great, like every time 
um, one of us finished our sets and he came on to like bring a new person on. He he had a tag for our sets or he was joking about our sets, like to the audience. Like he was really like listening and it you could tell it wasn't just like optics for him. He's like, oh, I'm going to help out these new kids. Like you could tell he really like enjoyed being able to like have us in his house for a little bit. And it was really cute. Yeah. Yeah. He's just then I remember like I was just standing in the corner at like one of the parties with a drink and he came up to me and just like, hey, we're wearing the same pants and just like <laughs> talk to me for a little bit. And I was just like, kind of like, oh, my God, B. Holmes just came up to me and just started talking about pants like it was wild. And, you know, like people are pulling them in different directions, but he didn't he like wanted to finish the conversation he started. He is yeah. the nicest man. Amazing. Let's talk about when you fear God, when you're a man who fears God, you That's, there might be something to that. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about new wave uh, season four, August 28th on CBC gem. Uh, I th I've done uh, media for the last couple new waves. It's a, it's a great series. What a amazing lineup this is. Um, where did you guys film this? Um, right. Yeah. We filmed it in Vancouver in okay. um, a, space that looks like pirates would kind of be hiding doubloons in there and like yep. pirates would be hiding all their booty in there um i don't know the name of the venue but it was like cool downtown very chic i hadn't been to vancouver before but i i really do like it mm -hmm. um, it's nice yeah it's nice the mountains are there the they're mountains right there, are there. they're they right there they're right when i opened my hotel windows like and i saw the mountains facing me I really, in that moment, understood man's desire for destruction. Like, I was like, these mountains are bigger than me. They're taller than the <laughs> building I'm in. I was like, we need to get rid of them. I was like, they yeah. need to go now. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had dynamite in that moment, those mountains would not be here today. But <laughs> don't tell Vancouver I said that. They won't let me. I have this, like, fear of, like, giant things. Like, just things that are, like, massive that I can't comprehend the size of them terrifies yeah. me. I, there's probably a name for that or, like, some psychosis I'm sure who studied it, but I get that. Yeah, that's like, like that reminds me of like oh I forget the name, but the fear of open spaces. Like it's like mm -hmm. when you get to a big body of water and you feel like uneasy. I, I think I have that too. Well, I, I went to the Grand Canyon and it wasn't the cliff the or the height of it. It was just the size of it scared me that something could be that big. It's 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 weird. Anyways, off topic. Um, <laughs> uh, so new wave it's an amazing uh an amazing series do you you've done quite a few things with just for laughs just talk about like what kind of jfl these productions have meant for your career yeah i mean it's definitely nice to get a little pat on the back by an institution in any mm -hmm. case um but essentially what it means is like you get to travel and like meet other comedians and that is always like the sickest part to me like the fact that comedians get to congregate in this one area for a period of time and like there's all these shows happening it it feels like every just for laughs i've done has felt like a summer camp in a sense oh yeah um, and it's yeah it's really cool and it, it just feels like um it's just cool to vibe out with comedians from like all over the world and like jfl is like a a reputable institution and everyone wants wants to get their grubby little paws on that jfl credit but um which i guess is cool but like holistically speaking it's just nice to get like a bunch of artists together in a room like <laughs> that sounds so hippy dippy but i really do love meeting comedians from all over because otherwise like how would i have met these people you know it, it is it's amazing you know i've been to a couple jfls and just like hanging out with peers and then going back the next year and seeing them again and seeing, you know, what they've been up to and following them on social media is, uh, is very cool. I, I love that. Marty Young, you know, do you know Marty? Um, Mar Marty's great. She calls it summer camp. That's the first time I heard that was from Marty. She's like, we're going to camp. Like, yeah. It's very camp. It's very, camp. yeah. Like, but like more of an, a theater camp vibes. Like it's that's not, true. we're not doing rope courses. It's more no. like falls. Yeah. Falls yeah. Rope yeah. Theater camp with vapes. Most people are just vaping. You know what I mean? That type of vibe. Yes. <laughs> I, I want, I want to, I'm a big, obviously, podcast fan. Um, You had a podcast. Are, are you still doing uh, Nostalgic? Yeah, we're on hiatus at the moment. Okay. But, um, it, oh, it might return. Stay tuned, you, I, you podcast freaks. I love this. I love this concept where you take uh, a pop, 
artists from your youth and kind of just dissect them a little bit, you know, and go through. I, I have a few that I don't know if you've done episodes for. Mm. Um, and I just want you like kind of one word that comes to mind of these these artists. OK, ready? Love this. Um, I kind of took like so I did a little math. I know you were born in 96. Yeah. Um, so I did like artists that were big when you were 10 years old, which I think okay. is like a formative <laughs> year. OK, Um. so the first one I wasn't sure of, but Paramore. Oh, my God. Paramore. So one word that comes to mind, I'm thinking tears. I'm thinking sadness. OK. I mean, yeah. the only exception was the way I would listen to that on repeat in middle school, yearning for adult men. <laughs> really, I would truly create fantasies for myself where it's like, oh, like me and like the substitute teacher could never be together, but like he wants it. <laughs> that's what goes. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, okay, next next one is Mary J. Blige. Oh my God. I think of my mother. My mom oh. loves Mary J. Blige. Okay. And I just think of like car rides where she is bumping and Jay, like we are listening to it with our eyes and our hearts and our minds. Very much like, you know, that whole, like that age old trope of like the parent, like music that your parents play when they're cleaning the house. Like that's mm -hmm. Mary J. Blige for my mom. For oh, sure. that's, that's a perfect, that's mom cleaning music is Mary yeah. J. Blige. That's amazing. Okay. Here's one that I kind of forgot about, um, but Gnarls Barkley. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. What's a word for Gnarls Barkley? <laughs> um, I'm nothing comes to mind, honestly. Yeah, they kind of were forgotten. Well, I think like what's his name? CeeLo got in some trouble at some point. Yeah, like this is honestly, I feel like I haven't heard that name in years. That's they were so I went to like the Billboard Hot 100, yeah. like top five artists that year, and Gnarls Barkley was was one. I was like, whoa, there's one that yeah, not I I was interested in that. Okay, and the last one, <laughs> John Mayer. Oh my God. Uh, what can I say about John Mayer? I mean, I think of So You Think You Can Dance. They loved using his songs for a lyrical routine. Okay. Yeah. But John Mayer, a big sexual awakening for me. And again, like I'm thinking sadness, I'm thinking angst. Ah, oh, I love him. He's okay. like, he like, doesn't he do stand up now or something? That's what was going to be where I was going to go to. What do you think <laughs> of somebody? I don't know if you've seen his stand up. It is wild. It is. It's not my type of stand. It is very, it's very John Mayer. I don't know. Cause he's like a weird guy. So he does like weird. And it, you know, funny is subjective. Funny is for everyone. But what do you think of somebody like John Mayer, crazy talented guitarist, singer, songwriter. And he's like, I'm going to go into this world now. Um, Cause he's done spots at like comedy store. And yeah. I guess what I have to say about that is like that is such like John Mayer doing stand up at the Laugh Factory or whatever mm -hmm. is such a testament to how like there is an emptiness in all of us like nothing can ever be enough you know what yeah. I mean like yeah. he is John Mayer like he does not need to get a modicum more of attention but mm -hmm. he is <laughs> there's something in him that there is a hole that needs to be filled and he thought stand-up will be the answer and I think that just is almost affirming in a sense to remind me like girl you could get you could get late night you could get a Netflix special hey it'll never be enough you will yeah. always want more you will want what John Mayer has in that sense oh um, my god yeah to him I say keep going keep learning keep <laughs> discovering your voice I hear that lots of um LA comedians are paid to write his twitter to write his tweets oh a little oh inside God. intel I <laughs> yeah i love inside intel on the podcast there's it's, also it's this hearsay. like it's hearsay um um did no one arrest me yeah it, there's also this that you're fine you're nobody listens to this um <laughs> <laughs> you're fine um there's also this thing like and this is like back to john mayer where there's this like guy at every single show that I do that comes up and says, you know, I've been thinking about trying this. Oh. Uh, does that drive you a little insane? I'm sure you get that all the time. You get I mean, a certain type of male. It's all <laughs> who can says every time, you know, yeah. I've written some stuff and I'm thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. It always I never know how to respond in those moments. Same. Um it's interesting. Thankfully, like, I do meet those men a lot. Like, it'll be a lot of men who are like, you know, like, I got five minutes. And like, 
I'm always like, oh, well, just like do an open mic. But my thing is like, I don't know. I try not to encourage them. <laughs> but I will say I do get a lot of these days, like younger, like queer women or just women in general or like queer people coming up to me being like, oh, like I didn't think stand up was for me. But like seeing you on stage, I'm thinking maybe I'll give it a shot. And that is cool to me. I'm like, oh, wouldn't that mm-hmm. happen? Absolutely. Like go for it. Um, and I've had people who have seen me in sets. And like they've gone on, like now they're doing open mics and like we follow each other on Instagram now and I'm seeing their journey and like, it's really cool to see. But like when it's a man, when it's kind of an older man, I always say like, (laughs) I usually say nothing. I keep it neutral. I usually say like, that's, that's really cool. (laughs) But the thing is they're always, it's interesting because I feel like that type of man always thinks they're already funnier than they are. And it's almost like they think they're like one of the comedians and there's almost like this over familiarity with them where they're like gabbing with you and and it's like no we're not you're not one of the girls yet you know it's it's like yeah there's a difference between like cable table kitchen funny or kitchen table funny where you're like around with your friends and then like actually sitting down and writing something and you know you can't just get up there and just tell the you're driving to work because that's not funny you know like no. i'm sure i'm sure there's a joke about driving into work that can be funny but it's always like built out into something no i think you're wrong i don't think anyone's ever had a funny joke about that's driving. true that's true yeah <laughs> it's like the thing is like airports or airplanes that's always when you know like those yeah, yeah there's a premise um <laughs> Okay, my last question always on this show is this is the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. I don't know. I know you don't know who's in and who's out and who we've already inducted into the Hall of Fame, but just your general, like, who would you say is a, a Hall of Famer Canadian when it comes to comedy? Oh, I love this question. Oh, my God. There's so many amazing answers. I mean... Uh, I mean, this is, I'm just going to go with my first thought and like, I do love him, but like Marito Lopez is oh, yeah, hilarious. He's like, I'm sure like listeners of this podcast are familiar with his work, but if you're not, he's like a Canadian comedian uh, based in Toronto right now, but he's like bopped around a lot, but he's like, if you don't, if you haven't seen Marito live, like you haven't seen stand up comedy, like he is just we we did um we have like a new show that's the latin kings of comedy and it's like four latino comedians doing stand-up it's like me marito like everardo ramirez sorry everardo ramirez and um rodrigo stole and marito like headlined both shows and his last headlining set we all were like that was one of the best live performances of stand-up like i've ever seen he's so he's he gives so much of himself and there's so much energy and like there's so much joy um, and he's just so like effortlessly funny, like everything he says and does. And I just love, I just love him. He's a little cutie and I want to kiss him. And he can dance. He can dance like nobody else. He's a phenomenal dancer. Great dancer. Everyone it's I'm, I'm, I can't think of someone who's more like universally adored within the stand-up community than absolutely. I love him so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say Marito. <laughs> awesome. I love that answer. That that's a great answer. Ben, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. It was awesome meeting you on Zoom. Congrats on everything on um the new wave of stand-up. Once again, August 28th on CBC Gym. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. It was lovely chatting with you. You're so nice. I like I I like you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks once again to Ben Sosa Wright for coming on. Uh, Once again, new wave of stand-up, August 28th. It launched on CBC Gem. His set is very, very funny. You have to check it out. I love that interview because anytime I can reminisce on either old pop culture or like Nickelodeon references, I'm, I'm all into it. So that was a ton of fun. Thanks again for Ben for coming on the show. Okay, interview number two is with Daniel Woodrow. Daniel is also on the new wave of stand-up, which launched August 28th on CBC Gem. He is a Canadian stand-up comedian from Toronto. He's most noted as part of the ensemble that received a Canadian Screen Award nomination for Best Performance in a Variety Sketch and Comedy Program or a series at the 10th Canadian Screen Awards for the debut episode of Roast Battle Canada, which he is very, very funny in. Uh, He's also had acting roles in series of Kids in the Hall, Star Trek, and Pretty Hard Cases. This was a ton of fun. 
Uh, I put a lot of research into this one and it showed, uh, I think I asked Daniel some questions about things that he had forgotten about. So that's always fun when you can, when, when somebody has to go deep in their memory bank for something very deep. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you liked my, my deep dive research into the very funny, hilarious Daniel Woodrow on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. And nobody has gotten it right ever. Um, And it's unique to you. I have had some pretty big people on the show. I've had like Jim Belushi and, and uh, Steph Tolev was on last week. She was really, she was, yeah, she's great. She was really confident that she had the right answer, but she doesn't. So my question to you is, do you know your first credit on IMDb? Yeah, I do. Unfortunately, because I've tried to get it removed so many times. It's uh, it's for a character named Douchebaggins. Oh my! You're the first person to get it right. Yeah, it's the Lost Hobbit or something. I can't remember something Hobbit. <laughs> it's uh, the the credit is Douchebaggins, the Forgotten Hobbit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I've tried to get that removed so many times, and whoever made the credit won't accept it. So it's just on there. What is, do you, were you a part of anything like this or is this anything? It was a sketch. It was a sketch. I don't, it was never on TV and never aired anywhere that I'm aware of. I can't even remember. It was such a long time ago. Uh, and I think someone just asked me to play a, literally a black hobbit in their, in their, in their sketch. And I think I had one line. I think I slapped, I think I got to slap someone for being racist. I think that was literally my role in the sketch. And I don't know why it's worthy of an IMDb credit and it's going to haunt me forever. You're the first person (laughs) to ever bring it up, which is hilarious. (laughs) I do this to everyone. Um, Like, like I said, I had Steph Polev on and she was like, I know what it's this. And I was like, it's actually YTV's extreme babysitting was hers. And she was like, what? That wasn't even everybody like loses. But you know what? It kind of goes back to like, uh, so IMDb is like this industry standard for some reason, but nobody's is correct or right. Yeah. Uh, Including yours. You're like, this isn't even a real thing. If I hadn't, like, it's probably way cooler if you don't know what your first IMDb credit is. That really gives I don't care energy. But yeah. uh, I've been trying, I tried to get it removed more than once. That's why I knew. Otherwise, I probably would have guessed video on trial and forgotten about that completely. I think there was something else before video on trial, if I just awesome. bring it up. Um, because I usually like uh, uh, the Beaverton would be next. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, no, actually, video yeah, trial which that's been, a solid video credit. Trial would have been earlier than that, actually. I think they just have it in a different category on there for some reason because that would have been in. It's like writer or something. Writer, like okay, yeah, it's in. It's under writer. Early two thousand, yeah, yeah. But I guess that it, yeah, they put it in the writer category for some reason, even though it's me on screen talking. But and and I guess I wrote it too. But uh, yeah, yeah. But that that would be probably well, my I, real. I, first imdb credit <laughs> right yeah not douchebaggins the forgotten hobbit um this uh, and, and the title is amazing so whatever funny. that is it is really funny like it's yeah. hilarious yeah yeah it's amazing um so i i do want to jump in because i have a couple friends that have actually been doing um like your unknown comedy club uh oh, yeah. vr i actually like my day job uh, as I work in the VR space, building oh, wow. virtual reality training simulators. So okay. I'm fascinated with this world. Um, how did you get involved in in VR and like uh, virtual comedy? Okay, so you really did do uh, your research. Uh, yeah, no, uh, we so during the pandemic, we started the, uh, me and uh, another comedian, Rodney Ramsey is from Montreal. We've been producing like a live comedy tour every February for many years called the uh, Underground Comedy Railroad. So during the pandemic, that fell around the time of that tour. So we moved the tour to a Zoom format. But uh, Rodney had been dabbling in the VR um, industry for a while. So he had been using an avatar as a host over Zoom for when we do our VR shows. And um, that kind of like when the offices started to kind of open up again and everything and doing zoom shows for corporates wasn't happening as much we started moving into the vr space in using horizon worlds and we got a theater built it, it looks kind of like them uh, it's a little secret but it looks kind of like the muppets theater it's designed to look like the muppets theater 
and yeah you can go in there and watch live comedy shows um we have one tonight with tamara siobhan headlighting so that should be great um but yeah it's like uh basically all the avatars is about 30 people that could fit in there come and watch a live show and it's like a it it's really weird because it actually gives you the feeling as a comedian that you're performing on stage in front of a live audience because when you take off that mask you still have that like after show kind of high it's super weird uh my buddy kia mazar we did a show i I do stand up as well we did a show on friday and i was just talking about my job and he was like you gotta and then and this was already set up so it was kind of it was kind of funny that uh um because key has done a, a bunch for for you guys i think he does okay. like mondays yeah. a lot yeah what's his uh username do you know i don't know i don't know what yeah, his username the thing. is half the people they come in as their username and then you only know them as that even though you see oh, them that's funny yeah, yeah, you yeah, should, yeah um you should um come do the show sometime we'd love to have you i would love to yeah i think that's super uh, super cool and just like connect it with my day job you know what i mean what yeah. i do every day i'd love to just see see what you guys are working with that's awesome even some, um, we have some people that run some podcast on there now too we have like uh we do some like stand-up classes some joke club right like joke writing sessions trying to make it like a there's a whole community building there that only has ever done stand-up in vr they started in vr they're learning in oh, vr wow. it's super weird so i mean i don't know if this is a first time ever but yeah there's people that are legitimately starting in vr and some might want to transition to real life now but a lot are really enjoying this so it's kind of cool because you could come do your first set in real life and already have a bunch of experience i mean in, in my world like being like i mean think about it. if you're like in northern ontario or something there's probably not a thriving place stand-up scene in I don't know, exactly. Sudbury, no offense to Sudbury, but this gives people that outlet that, you know, want to try something, but they're in a community where it's not normally um, a thing you can do or just go out and, and do sets every night. Right. So and interestingly enough, our regular audience, 80% of them are from the U S actually too. So oh, that- it's kind of interesting that they're getting a good exposure to Canadian comedy. Cause a lot of our headliners we book are all from here. And then a lot of the newer mm-hmm. acts are the new comedians, coming up in vr or american comedians so it's a really good mix we're actually starting up a uk show as well that will take place during the daytime over here in our time zone so it's like really cool because you can actually do so much because you don't need to have a physical space it's just very strange that i'm like i think i'm just playing a video game and i've turned that into a business which is very strange choice (laughs) it's cool to like take your your passion or like something that's just like a fun idea and then you know snowball it into a business like that's always that's got to feel amazing yeah it's weird when things start working you go oh that was a hot i wanted to do that as a hobby but uh again (laughs) here we are and some something positive that's come out of the pandemic as well right like big time um i want to kind of get into a little bit where you started so you uh, ottawa guy originally um i'm an ottawa guy as well i actually i actually live in brockville um but i do most of my stand-up in in ottawa tell me about your first time like getting on stage doing stand-up um where where did that start and and what was that like well uh yeah interestingly enough i grew up with a religious family i used to go to church and my first time performing stand-up was for a youth group they asked me like they knew i was interested in comedy or kind of like you know was a fan of it and they were like come do some funny announcements and i think i didn't understand the assignment and i just straight up wrote some stand-up bits and they were super offensive and not appropriate for church but that would be the first time i ever performed how old were you uh i was in my i was in my early 20s oh okay so so, or like er, earlier than that i guess like i because i kind of didn't really actually fully start stand-up until um i moved to toronto and went to humber college like for the comedy program i had done some church shows before that but i don't think i even ever actually performed in like a comedy club or anything like that till till some, a few years later but yeah that was where my first shows were like I was actually doing some paid gigs at churches where and you know what funny enough I mean yeah I'm pretty sure it's public information but funny enough I did a comedy contest at it was like a Christian comedy contest and there's another very popular comedian that was also in that contest with me and we didn't put it together till like maybe some years later it was Courtney Gilmore 
I was gonna guess. I was gonna guess okay. Courtney. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was gonna be my my guess because she had like a very similar kind of uh, story where she was in college, wanted to produce a comedy show. They got like a Christian headliner who needed an opener, and she's like, "I guess I'll do it." And that's yeah, how that's, it started. That's yeah. That's lit. That's the funny thing is that's exactly what happened to me. And we're talking mm -hmm. about the same comedian. Oh wow! I forget she said her name. It's it's a female comic, oh, right? Okay. Um, Maybe this is different than I okay. I could this, I could be wrong. Leland Clausen ran. He's like a men and night comedian based out of Vancouver. Oh my God, Abbey, or, sorry, Ab Abbotsford or something. And he would do a tour every year, and then he started to turn in uh, the tour. He wanted to turn it into a comedy contest where he would bring the contestants across the country to compete in different like regions. And uh, I guess I did the, con I think at one point I had met him because of the similar thing. He got booked for an event and asked me to open. And then at, from there I got in the contest and then I toured with him for some time after that as his opener. So I actually like, and I was so brand new. I wouldn't even, I'm like, there is a recording of that contest. It was on TV, like on a Christian television, which is funny. Mm -hmm. It's not on my IMDb. That's what come on IMDb. but i did do that and i do not want to see that that was my first like year of comedy i should not there's no business being on that having that and this is all pre-humber college yeah that was like so that was like a year uh pretty enduring to be honest okay because like it, it was just before i moved out of ottawa that this started happening so it was kind of like yeah, I feel like the thing is the first two years I did stand up, I maybe did 10 shows, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe 15 max. max. Yeah. So it's like there was and none of those were in places with people that were normal. Um, <laughs> by that it was I mean, funny. Non-Christian. <laughs> doing my research, like I read about like kind of like a, a church talent person kind of taking you out on the church circuit. And I was like, oh, I want to know more about this this church comedy you obviously research. you do good yeah. research yes <laughs> thank, yeah, thank that's you what, that's leland Clausen. yeah and uh, yeah and courtney gilmore was on the same contest i think we competed against each other in like the finals or something i can't really remember because it was a while ago but i always think that's so funny that uh we're still both doing comedy too there's something to be said though like you like obviously had you said your first time you're doing it you weren't clean but obviously when you're out doing that tour you have to be a clean comic well it was uh, clean it was well, yeah it wasn't super clean but it was like oh it wasn't more very edgy <laughs> Let's yeah, say. yeah yeah you know yeah. what i mean like i maybe they wouldn't it would anybody else would consider it clean maybe not a clean for church but church clean is different like i've gotten in trouble for doing a joke that involves tampons like basically about like how i saw them just for a discount and it's i just kind of like made up a scenario about what you would do without them like it's it's like fairly a hack joke but not really it was just like a small part based on another joke and i got in trouble saying like we shouldn't talk about that you know it's like that like apparently tampons are something sexual i don't know it's super weird like there's rules that you didn't know were rules right it, it, sometimes in yeah no worries uh sometimes in comedy there's rules that you don't know are rules like in certain yeah. clubs in certain situations you know like that's yeah, yeah that happens a lot but like as for like writing though like you like had like you had to be cleaner than most people starting out like the whole thing is like brand new comics that's usually like your dirtiest stuff because it's easier to get reactions and laughs off super dirty material so mm -hmm. did you feel like you had a leg up in the sense of like i'm i i have to work kind of clean that's going to make me a better joke writer or like looking back is that how you think of it yeah i think that a lot of comedians at first start do the shock humor and try to go like yeah dirty or sexual just because i mean i think that's where you, people know like that's a lane that is easy to be funny in like a lot of those corny movies you see on tv are exactly like that but i think for me yeah like having to be in a clean situation at least for like when i first first started out definitely translated later on because i think that was kind of where i'm like i guess that's my i mean i didn't do it intentionally but i kind of didn't want to like oh well now that i'm performing in different places i'm just gonna like write all these dirty jokes because like the 
first ever paid shows I had were in clean situations. So in my mind, I'm like, I want my jokes to be able to be performed wherever. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's skewed a little bit away from that. I have to like, maybe I'd have to change. Like I'm still, I would say I'm still technically a clean comedian. I don't really swear during my sets very rarely, maybe like a few here and there for a fact. And I still don't really have sex jokes. But like, I would say my jokes are edgy and can be dark. So I couldn't like, I would have to change them up a bit if I was to perform in like a church situation. I think the last yeah. time I did that, I did a show at this giant church in Ottawa. I think there was like, or sorry, Toronto. I think there was like 800 people. And yeah, they just hired me to headline. And it was like super strange feeling because I'm like, wow, there's so many people here, but I have to, I, I gotta be really tight with what I say. You can't accidentally swear, you know what I mean? no absolutely probably was a couple kids there like you know it's a mess but (laughs) it paid well so (laughs) there you go that's i mean yeah that's amazing it's like those corporate opportunities if they come around it's like a corporate gig kind of vibe but uh yeah i'm not really in that community uh it's been a long time since i've been in that community so uh but i think it's definitely gone into my style like i kind of just liked being a comedian that was cleaner but a lot of people wouldn't say like oh daniel's a clean comedian they would be like oh yeah mm-hmm. i guess i guess he is you know? yeah when you think about yeah, yeah. when when you kind of look back on your like comedy career life you started in churches doing this tour then to humber college and and now you're doing stuff like roast battle and then the show you're promoting here today which is new wave of stand-up um, which is coming out August 28th on CBC Gem. Yeah. You must like kind of look back a little bit and say like, whoa, this is a crazy path that I took. This is kind of cool. Like it's yeah. it's a cool transition and an amazing life that you've kind of built for yourself. Yeah, I mean, uh, it is it is interesting. And I normally don't even talk about how like I started in the churches and everything. I kind of just like, but I obviously knew you did your research, so you know I'm lying. <laughs> well, I don't normally lie. I just don't normally incorporate it. But it is part of the story, so might as well. Yeah. Like, there's nothing. Uh, it's actually like a lot of comedians have come from religious backgrounds uh, initially, and it's a, a large amount. It's really funny when you, but just a lot of us don't talk about it. So I even don't really do jokes about it yet. But, uh, you know, I think that's going to be an album uh, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but yeah, like I think, I think like, whatever your background is incorporates into who you are today so it is pretty crazy to be like oh yeah i started performing and i always think of it this way the people that saw me first start when i was in that situation what they must think now because that that would be really cool for me to see someone that just randomly like did an announcement at my church once and now they're on tv doing stand-up that would be pretty cool it's yeah it's like an amazing i see all the progression and work that went into it so it's not like as like uh you know it's not like i snapped my fingers and now here i am vibe but from other people's perspective that would be definitely really cool um it, i want to just dive a little deeper in the new wave of stand-up um yeah. you fit you did you part of uh i think it was part of jfl vancouver right where you where yeah. you filmed this it was a super cool venue um downtown i think season three and season four were the same venue I um yeah, so it looks it looks really awesome. Um, just talk about like JFL and like kind of what that means for your career. You know, getting an opportunity to do um, a show like this with some amazing peers um, involved in your season too. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, obviously, it's great to be involved with anything with Just for Laughs. Like as a comedian, you know, that's about as big as it gets. And then also just being able to travel to Vancouver to perform and do this taping. I love Vancouver, so I'll take any excuse to go out there. Uh, I just had come off tour. Like we do a tour every February, like I said. Mm -hmm. I literally came straight from like, we had a show the night before in Ottawa. We were in Montreal the day before that. But like, I didn't sleep after our show in Ottawa, like three hours later, hopped on a flight straight to Vancouver, got picked up, dropped off at the hotel. And then I had to immediately go to dress rehearsal for this, taping uh i think by the time i went to bed for the first time i had been awake like almost 40 hours because it just had was like so go 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 and that's including doing our rehearsal show for the actual thing so it was like i had to do all that in one stretch and then i was like 
I was a zombie, but then once I had that good sleep, I was like, okay, I'm at just for laughs now. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. You can live a it full up. Full 24 hours of being there to be like, okay, now I'm awake. I'm a human. All right, let's do this. Like, That's amazing. So it, yeah. was, it was a really fun experience. I definitely was really tired, but like just I got to spend like the rest of the time just going around seeing other people's shows and stuff, which is obviously amazing. It's like a comedy retreat. So but by the way, I was just talking to Ben Sosa, right? Um, and he says yeah. hi. That's oh, yeah, that's what he, yeah. <laughs> he was Don't like, yeah, yeah, tell Daniel, <laughs> say hi. I was like, I will. Uh, I had to get that in. Um, a, a couple more things for you. First of all, um, I, I read the story about you on my spy, MySpace reaching out to Jim Gaffigan, which Jim Gaffigan is one of my favorite comics. Of all. This? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true though, right? Like this, this actually happened. Yeah. Um, he's one of my favorite comics of all time. So I was like, oh, this is something I want to ask you about. He gave you like a list of tips. Um, yeah. I think I messaged him after my very first set. I've tried to get into that MySpace so many times. I cannot. By by the way, a clean comic as well. Like very, you know, like. Very much so. And that's the thing is I actually like never was a crazy huge fan of comedy before I did it. Once I started Mm -hmm. doing those first few shows, I think that Jim Gaffigan's album uh, CD, like I think I got his CD and I, or not CD, but uh, what do you call it? download i downloaded his album and i was listening to that and i think that was one of the first like i would only listen to comedy albums that way i wouldn't watch specials so he was one that i i I got all of his i listened to all of his and then i don't know i just like i remember as a kid i used to like do that weird thing where you'd write a soccer player and ask for an autograph or something right and the you know i i was just hit him up on on myspace i think i was just like hey i'm starting on a comedy i was wondering if you have any advice kind of thing like that and he actually replied and gave me like yeah i think it was just like now in hindsight if from what i can remember like it was kind of that thing that i would probably say it's like that general advice you give someone starting out in comedy you know what i mean yeah. like just be yourself you know don't be too nervous take some time stick with it kind of vibe i'm sure but reading that from a comedian that i'm really into who's huge at the time too like it wasn't like it was new jim gaffigan it was hot pockets no. jim gaffigan like it was like <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it was, it was the jim gaffigan so getting that message was super encouraging and i'm sure that plays a lot into it and I'd, i i still haven't had the chance to meet him but i hope one day i do so i can uh tell him the story um do you if somebody messaged you right now and be like hey give me one tip like you did the gym what would be like your one tip like for somebody who just did their first set i would say um like keep trying to do the same bits like i used to think you had to do something different every time like and also i would just say like get like you're gonna bomb i would literally just say you're gonna bomb be comfortable with it yeah but like usually when people ask i either say go to your first set and you'll know immediately if it's for you or if it's not for you like mm. I had a friend that wanted to try comedy, a really close friend. He got into it. He killed his first set killed. And I was like, this is annoying. He didn't invite anyone, just invited a few of us. Destroyed, did a second set, did really well. Then he's like, nah, not really into it. I don't like it. Never did it again. Wild. So, you know what I mean? It did, like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, what, <laughs> dude? But yeah, like, there's some people, you know, they'll just bomb their first set and go, yeah, I, that's something I want to keep doing. <laughs> so like, it's the kind of thing is like, yeah, honestly, just don't try to copy anyone. Be yourself. It's like, honestly, the it's just hard to give that advice that you understand when you're new, but being yourself is the most important. Like don't replicate someone else. Like, yeah. Don't try it, to make it, a character. Nobody cares. Like they want to know who this guy is and why you're so sad. Yeah. It's like this illusion that, which is a good illusion, that like every time you're on stage, it's like fresh and new, and it's your first time saying it. Which and I think, like the, the general is, public, don't know yeah. how long it was before I realized that. But I guess that's the thing too, right? I performed for the same people. Like if I I did a few shows, look, the few mm-hmm. first sets were with that youth group or whatever it was, the young adults group. So it's like they, I had to kind of change it, right? Because they just right. heard the one the week before which is but then i think once i realized oh you don't have to do that every set i'm like oh that makes comedy a lot simpler yeah it's easier that way yeah yeah, yeah. people but now there's the internet and specials and people are more aware of that like back in the day i really you know you could genuinely think when you're going on stage a comedian is saying everything they're saying for the very first time which is a ridiculous thought now 
Yeah, like, that's you know what. what I mean? But I'm, I'm sure at one point I thought that. Like I'm oh, sure. I'm sure everyone. Early I'm specials. Sure people still do probably, but I think now when you do it in audience, like when you're in the crowd, I remember back in the day, kind of were like surprised when you're like, yeah, when I did that joke before, you know, I did this, and then they're like, what, you know? But yeah. nobody's reacting like that now. My parents still think that. My parents are still. Yeah, exactly. yeah, they're, <laughs> they're like, they're, we've they're, heard that though. We've heard that joke th- before. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, that's how it works. Like, I yeah. I guess when you're new, I get it. You want to like prove that, like, you're. Oh, like I came with something new. How good is that? But I think the bookers actually would be like, watching would probably be more impressed if you did the same set again but better. Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, last question. This yeah. is the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Like I said, I know you don't know who's in and who's out of the out of the Hall of Fame. Um, but who would you say is like a Canadian that you worked with or somebody from the past that you're like that person is a Hall of Famer? What they're doing, comedy wise, writing wise, sketch wise, whatever it may be in that realm, is a Hall of Famer. Well, I mean. I feel like they might already be in there. I'm not sure, but I think Kenny Robinson for sure, just based off the fact that it's Kenny Robinson and he's run that same show for 35 years or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like an all black show. He's the first person probably in Canada to run an all black show. I'm positive of that. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He's been there with the legends. I think he definitely should be in the hall of fame as like a legend, you know? Uh, so Kenny, if you mean somebody yeah. that's new, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say Kenny's actually my boss. He is the president of the Hall of Fame. Um, so which is yeah. So he's not gonna induct himself. Perfect but, answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is the president of the Canadian I Comedy Hall of Fame. That. Yeah, that yeah. So you're pumping so his funny. tires. But you're you're absolutely right. Nobody more more deserving in Canada than um, the owner of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. So funny. I guess then if I had to pick someone more localized or maybe in the newer generation, I would say probably Dave Mirage. Okay. Yeah, Dave's great. Someone that would be hard to argue for sure. K Trevor Wilson, like those are the people that spent like they were around when I first started and I looked up to them and they're still people to look up to so i love that yeah dave uh dave's great and uh ben sosa when i asked him earlier today he said marito lopez and i feel like dave mirage both amazing dancers so that has there's something yeah. there yeah they, and they both hang out together and dance yeah. all the time so yeah. and dance all the time <laughs> yeah exactly no but kenny just going back to kenny you're absolutely right the nubian show and his name i mean this is the 40th episode of this show i do two interviews one so like eight his name has been mentioned more often than not as like a hall of famer so, so this reveal happens often yes yes <laughs> and then i'm like he's actually the president he can only be the president because it's a non-profit for like three years or something like that he might be in his second year uh so when his presidency mm-hmm. has ended no doubt he will be he'll be in right away he's, a, he's sure a legend like- I'm missing a ton. It's just like, I can't think of anyone that's still working in comedy that's been around as Mm -hmm. long as he has also producing a show consistently, the longest running show in the country, probably so. And promoting young comics like that's, you know, consistently too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Thanks, Daniel, for doing this. I appreciate the heck out of it. Um, Once again, new wave of stand up is August 28th on CBC Gem. This was lots of fun. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Once again, thanks to Daniel for coming on the show. I love Daniel's story, how he started in stand-up. It's so crazy to me as I'm doing this podcast, and this is episode 32 now, which means I've done 65 interviews, maybe more, maybe 66 or 67. Everybody has a unique, different story, and it always amazes me how people find comedy and how they get into comedy. So thanks again to Daniel for sharing his story and, and humoring me with my deep-dive questions on his on his career. That's it for us. That's it for the show. Once again, new wave of stand-up comedy. It is on CBC Gem. It started August 28th. There's about 15 phenomenal, maybe more comedians. I've been going through the episodes all day. They're so funny. Uh, It just shows what amazing talent we have in this country every time uh, CBC Gem releases uh, a new wave of stand-up special. This is the fourth season of the show and and i hope it just continues it's such a great platform and and some amazing comedians come out of it 
Okay, that's it for me. Once again, thanks to Daniel. Thanks to Ben. Don't forget, CanadianComedyHall.com. All your places to vote. Everything there on Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame is, is right there. It's also on our social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Can I say Twitter? Or do I say X now? Either way, it's on that one that Musk owns. We also post there. So check that out. For the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast, I'm Chad Noonan. <laughs>